What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And for the first time in a long time, we're coming back to the Speak On It. Speak On It. And this particular episode, we are reacting to the bomb that was dropped last week, which was this <laughs> Vulture interview with Quincy Jones. Man, yo. First and foremost, Quincy <laughs> Jones is the man, right? The man. Like, um, I, I think we discussed uh, a friend texted me and was like, have you seen the Quincy Jones GQ article? Yes, the GQ one. And I hadn't. And um, that, I that was came like, out with that was in January, right? It came out, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a few weeks before, right? And um, I was like, please don't ruin another <laughs> one of my musical icons. <laughs> so I probably almost unintentionally, intentionally didn't read the article, right? Because I assumed he was gonna say he had done something horrible, like I don't know. Sexual harassment, we'll, we'll, uh, sexual we'll, we'll assault, that. something. Yeah. yeah, but um, then this vulture article comes out, right, and <laughs> shocks the world. Uh, you you got to give it to so this social media era because <sighs> when when something good comes, like it it just spreads that yeah, quick. For sure. A- and this was everywhere. So, what were your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts was, man, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Like, <clears throat> because here's the thing, <clears throat> it was dropped. On um, what, like, like Wednesday or something last week? Yeah, something like that. Some, something like that last week. And yo, I kid you not, I had like five friends mm-hmm. hit me up specifically. Outlaw, you got to read this. Uh, shit, yeah, right. Because he's talking about the Beatles. They all know I love the Beatles. Yeah, like, yo, honestly, that you were the first person I thought of <laughs> exactly. when I read that. Yeah, exactly. he, yeah, he was. He, yeah. Anyway. So everyone's like, yo, have you read this shit? Like even people who <laughs> don't even I wouldn't think would care about Quincy Jones. They're like uh-huh. Outlaw, you got to read this shit. So finally, I think it was Thursday. Uh, it's like Thursday morning ish time. Uh-huh. Um, I had some downtime at work. I was like, let me actually read this. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god! I was like, yeah, yeah, we got to all... talk about this. this yeah, is this so is good. nothing but jewels, and it's crazy because it also really feeds well into this podcast because we're both huge yes, Quincy Jones we are, fans. We are, we are. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where do you want to start, man. There's just Yo, so much. Let's just let's just gradually go down point okay. by point. We you know we could talk about things if we want to. We can yeah. skip over stuff. I think he starts out talking about Michael Jackson, right? Thoughts on what he said about him being a thief or... Uh, I'm uh, not surprised. I can't yeah, say I'm surprised. I'm surprised um, but it's just really funny hearing <laughs> it from him. Oh, another thing that's really funny about this entire article is the things he decides to talk about and the things that he decides to withhold. Yes. So, oh, like, so here, like, he's like... We're not going to talk about his, that. His, his most let me famous, talk about that. Right. His most famous work <laughs> is, is with Michael Jackson, yes, right? Yes. Everybody knows about Quincy and Michael Jackson. The very first thing he says is, he's a thief. That motherfucker is greedy. <laughs> like, <laughs> you go off top and you're just like, and then he's like, I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> yo, he did that the whole article, yo. So yeah, that, that part was just hilarious, but I don't know. What were your thoughts on that? I'm not surprised. I think that hearing him candidly address the, the plastic surgery yeah. was interesting, right? Because the mm-hmm. things about Michael Jackson perhaps being like a thief and greedy as an artist, that's not too disparaging. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that anybody who's even a diehard Michael Jackson fan would hear that and be like, oh, you know, take really any issue with that. But, yeah. you know, the biggest controversy with Michael Jackson had to do with his personal life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the stuff with the allegations with the child molestation yeah, yeah. Um, and what he was doing to himself. Right. And, you know, I never bought really for a second that it was some Denver, disease. Right. And for him to say that, like, that's mm-hmm. one of those things that he probably should not have said. Right. And you it's know? funny because I, I have obviously I have a family that was was a very big Jackson's mm-hmm. fan, fan family. 
and they were like 50 50 split like yeah some people were like no vetiligo's real and then other people were like the quincy like he just hated himself yeah and so that's why he was doing that and then you know you look additionally at latoya mm -hmm. at janet you mm -hmm. know what i mean and it's like okay they are having these surgeries throughout their family it's not it's not just like he's afflicted by a disease and that's yeah. why he's also getting plastic surgery right yeah and i, I think that he kind of recovers from it in the sense that he's like look like it was fucked up you yeah know, his father beat him his father called him ugly right he's like that's why he did these things exactly um which at least kind of changes the narrative from the people who are like oh you know he hated himself because he was black and he just wanted to be right, right, and maybe, right look maybe that all came down to it but he's saying look this all has to do with how he was abused yep. as, a, as a child yeah um so i thought that was i thought that was interesting now, next we get into his relationship with the clintons right um and i guess because he was a close friend to Bill and Hillary, uh, that he knows who shot John F. Kennedy? Yeah, I didn't get how the two were re even related. Yeah. But um, first and foremost, he decides not to disclose anything about the Clintons. Right. But then he decides that he's going to tell us who shot John <laughs> Kennedy. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, what? You, I don't know. You know, the interesting thing about the Clintons, though, is uh -huh. that they talk about in it in the GQ article when he says that Oprah brought around barack and michelle to his house to uh, try to get quincy on the side of oh, the uh, obamas i don't even um, remember that part oh, you, oh yeah, yeah. And initially it didn't work wow um i think perhaps he probably came back around to barack and michelle but initially like he was really good friends yeah with uh hillary and bill and yeah oh, it's so interesting too because over the years like i actually don't have as many negative opinions about hillary as a lot of people but like right. my opinions about bill have completely oh just, yeah flipped like oh, yeah. 180 like i'm not a fan of his at all yeah so um interesting yeah yeah so so he 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 lets us know that uh organized crime mobster in chicago uh gave the kennedys the election and then <laughs> also murdered jfk right so uh that was interesting uh to get and, and again his selections of what is we shouldn't talk about this publicly, but that yeah, motherfucker like, did it. Yeah, like what he wants to say <laughs> versus what he does want to say. So that was funny and interesting. I, I saw a, a friend Mila posted, and she was just like, she was like, "Black people are fucked up, man." Like she's like, "This article comes out. This guy literally says that the, the president of the United States was murdered by a, an organized crime boss, and uh, all we're talking about is if Marvin Gaye is gay." <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the Marvin Gaye stuff later. Right, right. But uh, anyway, so. So then he uh, he goes on to talk about how you know he went to this uh, this Charlie Parker in, in uh, concert. The biggest thing I take away from this though is when he's talking about uh, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, and you know it's interesting to hear Jimi Hendrix, who's considered the greatest rock and roll guitarist of all time, uh -huh. be afraid to play with these musicians. And I I believe it. I believe it too. Um, and I think that of all of the rock and roll guitarists, he probably would have been the one that can do it. Mm. But you know he's sitting here and and then next few paragraphs down he's slamming paul mccartney yeah, um yeah. for saying that you know he was a shit bassist uh -huh. but i think that it's a little a little unfair for quincy jones to to go in on them and that angle in the sense that look like there's Wait, different genres them or, or or just in general, general okay in general because it's like look he is absolutely right when he talks about like there's nothing greater than jazz right mm -hmm. so the people who've mastered jazz like they're the greatest musicians on the planet right and Jimi Hendrix at that time, like, never really did that stuff. So I think mm -hmm. that he probably was scared. Mm -hmm. Now, I also think, and, and Quincy probably, he didn't say this, but he probably feels this way too, because yeah. he wanted to work with Hendrix, right? Right. That he probably feels that Hendrix probably could have figured it out. But I think uh -huh. at that time, you know, someone who was 27, 
um, to be afraid of some of these musicians. You but I what? mean, Jimi Hendrix was known to be a conflicted soul. He kind of had like like demons and insecurities as well. Though. Well, I'm not so necessarily sure if they were insecurities just so much as he yeah. was just really, really humble. Yeah. You know, like Jimi Hendrix didn't walk around calling himself the greatest guitarist on the planet. Right. You know, other people did it for him. And then when he did, he got all like sheepish and embarrassed because he was just like, how could anybody say that? Yeah. Obviously, I'm a really big Jimi Hendrix fan. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's one of the tragedies of his passing uh, at such a, such an early age he's probably mm-hmm. the most well number well known member of the 27, 27 club. club but yeah i mean yeah. before he passed he was slated to do music with miles davis we're learning now with uh with you know quincy jones right um and that would have been interesting one of the things i want to say too is yeah. interesting though that he's shitting on some of these instrumentalists right not musicians but the instrumentalist part and i have heard he's, some musicians he's so, shit he's so on quincy salty jones. about this beatles thing no but hold on hold on hold on hold on i've heard musicians who have great admiration for Quincy Jones mm-hmm. as an arranger, as a writer, composer, all those things. Mm-hmm. Also shit on him for really? not being a very good trumpeter. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I never heard that. So, and look, obviously, you know, I'm sure Quincy Jones was good with the trumpet, but I mean, like, it's just... That's it's, not what he's... Yeah. It, 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 was, it was more like they weren't, like... Uh, hating on him it was more like you know ball busting they're just mm-hmm. like you know like you know Quincy yeah. Jones couldn't play like that's uh, the reason why he made it as an arranger because right. he couldn't play um, so it's just kind of I don't know it just kind of amuses me to hear that a little bit uh-huh. um, yeah the Beatles yeah so he so he gets to the Beatles <laughs> first the first thing he shits on rock music as a whole right yeah he, <laughs> he did he rock did. He ain't did. nothing but a white version of rhythm and blues motherfucker right <laughs> it's true it's and then true. and then he goes into his impression of the beatles which <sighs> hilarious well first so first of all he says that this was his impression when he first met paul mccartney uh-huh. um i like paul mccartney yeah. he's my favorite beetle um in fact Individually, I don't like the rest of the Beatles. I'm not uh-huh. a big fan of John Lennon. Yeah. I don't like George Harrison. I don't like Ringo Starr. Not as personalities, just as musicians, right? Um, and even most of Paul McCartney's solo career, I haven't really gotten into. But mm-hmm. like collectively as the Beatles, in my opinion, they are the greatest pop rock group of all time. And I love how they arrange music, you know, try new things, yeah. different techniques in the studio. I love like their songwriting. Yo, but, you know, but honestly, everybody has shitted on Ringo in one way. Oh yeah, right? I don't so, give a fuck about Ringo. So what he's saying about, I Ringo, about Ringo, I'm, Ringo, I wasn't like, no, not Ringo. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that 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 I was. I I don't care about defending Ringo. But right. when he says that uh, Paul McCartney was a, uh, what did he say exactly? The worst bass player I've ever heard. <sighs> Come on, dog. Like, <laughs> man, that's tough. That is tough. The, my but favorite he's also artist, comparing, they were he's no comparing, playing motherfuckers. But here's the thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the bass is a huge instrument in right, jazz, right? right? Um, and, and so that, to take, like, right. I hope he's not comparing jazz bassists who play a six string bass exactly. to someone who plays a four string bass in, in, in a pop, pop rock. group. Like, yeah, come on, exactly. Like, it's not no, fair. You're, you're right. You're right. It, it's it's definitely apples and oranges between. <laughs> What the bass players that he was probably working with were doing. I'm definitely, I'm definitely doing. trying to stand up for my voice. I should have worn my, my Beatles shit today. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should have done. Oh, man. But that was hilarious. So so what were your thoughts, though, like beyond that? Were you like, yo, fuck this guy. I need to no, defend him. No, 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 or, no. Because did you see where he was coming from? I or? definitely see where he's coming from. Um, Because I think that if anyone was listening to the Beatles and what Paul McCartney was doing specifically, I mean, it's this very very simple stuff that they're doing if you just took the individual tracks mm-hmm. um, layered like from from you know each individual instrument right. and you listen to it there's nothing 
yeah. really complex going on. Exactly. But the way I've always thought about it is like I've listened to music, pop music that was out before the Beatles and mm -hmm. after the Beatles, and I can hear stuff that was influenced by the Beatles. Yeah. And the fact that you know you got Paul McCartney who wrote the most popular pop song of all time in mm -hmm. Yesterday. It's been covered more than any other song. Mm -hmm. At least that I can recall um, in the 20th century. Um, he wrote that shit in his fucking sleep. Literally, he had a dream where he wrote that song. That's woke called up. LSD, buddy. <laughs> look, look, look. He woke up from a dream. He had the tune in his head. And he walked around and he was like, yo, like, where's the song? And no one recognized it. So then he actually put it into music. And, you know, he you know got the little string quartet to come and do the track for it. But I'm just saying, like... Um, you know, it, it's not, it's simple things that they were doing, but yeah. they still resonate with us no, for, I agree, I agree. For, for things that extend beyond just how somebody, you know, someone's fingers interact with the strings. Yep. You know, so I don't necessarily care if, if yeah. Paul McCartney is a shitty bassist. I don't really yeah, give I mean, a shit. Like, yeah, was, like, you know, it's, it's like the conversation we've had before about like church singers versus studio musicians, right? right? Like, it's like for you to be like some crazy, you know, a, a Charlie Parker or a Mingus, like one of these people who's just going to like just kill it. That's right. not what you want for on a pop record. Like, right. That's like it's two different skill sets. Right. He does give props to Cream, though, which yeah. is interesting. I understand with Eric Clapton and the guitar. I forget what the bass's mm -hmm. name, but I've never been a big fan of Ginger Baker. But he says mm -hmm. that they can play, so... I wouldn't say I don't believe him. I, I think the reason People why I'm kind Clapton. of sour yeah. on Ginger Baker, um, even though I think that he's a great guy, uh, the things that I've read about him, he was a really good guy, but he was also one of the drummers, uh, one of the European musicians, who kind of helped introduce Fela Kuti to the mainstream, oh, at really? least to European world. Okay. Uh, and he actually has an album with Fela Kuti, which, like, if you listen to Fela Kuti with his his regular drummer, Tony Allen, mm -hmm. and you listen to him with uh, with Ginger Baker, it's just like, what the fuck is this dude, Ginger <laughs> Baker, doing on, on the drums with yeah. Fela's band? Like, to me, it didn't really make any sense. So yeah. I think that's the reason I've never really been impressed with them, but okay. maybe, I don't know. I've also listened to, to Cream a little bit. I've listened to two of their albums, and... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm sitting here and I'm wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt, which I always do. Right. And, you know, John Bonham compared to Ginger Baker, to me, is no comparison. So right. that's why I've never really been impressed with him. But, you know, Quincy Jones thinks highly of him. So right. He also thinks uh, highly of Paul, Paul Allen, the guy from Microsoft, who I didn't even know who that was. Apparently, he's a good guitarist. <laughs> Great. And I'll take his yeah. word for it. Um, apparently, but also well, apparently, he has the biggest collection of of guitars in like uh -huh. in the world like, like cool. rare guitars and stuff like that that's cool i'd actually love to see that collection yeah because uh, i sometimes i kind of nerd out about that anyway yeah. but he's asked the question about you know his kind of goes into his humanitarian humanitarianism a little bit right and this is a guy who is going to be 85 this year uh -huh. so we've seen a whole lot he's asked whether or not you know we're worse now than we were or if we've improved, um, you know, back where we were when he was growing up. And he's saying mm -hmm. we're the worst now that he's ever been. But he's specifically talking about, I, I guess, like the wealth gap, yeah. the disparity between the rich and the poor and just how much influence the rich have. And I mean, what he's saying is we're, we're worse off. And he's essentially saying that a lot of what we're seeing today is people, you know, fighting back from that those disparities right. um and so that's where we get he doesn't mention it by name but like the me too movement mm -hmm. uh feminism and and the uh the wealth uh, the uh i'm sorry the pay gap mm -hmm. equal pay um he talks about like racism um and i think there he's probably talking more about trumpism which we'll get into later yeah on the gq um, article he says he goes more in depth about racism and yeah. he says like look like it's not any better now yeah it's like i think he was saying that well no that's not exactly what he says he says that 
He it talks was, about the difference between the North and the South and yeah. how it's in your face in in, the, in south. the South. And in the North, people pretend like there's nothing there. but Which is what Malcolm X was always saying. Right. right? He was saying just like, um, he was saying that the Republican was the wolf and the Democrat, or the conservative was the wolf and the liberal was the fox. Right. Um, and so, you know, Quincy Jones is going through this and he's pretty much saying that like, look, like in the 30s and 40s, the things that they would do to you, you know, physically were, mm. were worse, but there's just racism in general is like, nah, like it's, right. it's really not any better. Um, and then we get we get to to Cosby, right? right. So we, we mentioned um, he's talking about what women had to go through in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then the interviewer says, OK, well, you know, Bill Cosby. Right. And then he decides at this point that this is going to be another one of the things that he doesn't want to speak about. So in the GQ article. There's an aside where because mm. they, they mentioned Bill Cosby and they they actually talk about some stuff that has nothing to do with the sex. It was just some business thing, mm. right? Um, but in the aside, in the in the in the footnote, you know, he's going through the some album that he has, and it okay. comes up on Bill Cosby's picture, and he just mm. says Cosby, pause, Jesus, and then just flips the page, right? <laughs> right. And but he doesn't go any, any more into it, and it's just yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel kind of salty about this, right? Yeah. In the sense that, look, I, you know, I don't know Quincy Jones, um, and I'm sure that he's really good friends with Cosby, but he's enabling right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And for him to talk about all this other shit. Exactly. And then to not want to address this Cosby stuff really is, mm-hmm. I'm not going to call it a bitch move. Like I said, mm-hmm. I've not met Quincy. He's lived on this earth far more than I have. You know, respect your elders. I understand that he's seen so many things that I would never understand. I get mm-hmm. that. But that doesn't dismiss the fact that this is enabling. Yeah. Um, and I don't like that if he is in a chance, if anybody who knows Cosby mm. is in a situation to kind of set this right, right. do it right yeah. now at the same time, perhaps they're protecting their own interest or perhaps if there's things that good things that are happening in the community that might fall apart because Cosby's name was attached to it. But I mean, those things are already kind of falling yeah, apart, right? Nah, I, if so. they're protecting something that's bigger that I don't see, mm-hmm. I will cop to, okay, maybe, I don't know. But mm-hmm. from what I can tell in this right now, yeah. to me, it looks like enabling. I will say one thing that I appreciated that they did here was when he decided not to speak on Cosby, if, you, if you're if you navigating to this from from like a... Uh, like a web device um they show you like you know the story of cosby's accusers actually in their own words discussing uh like what what they experienced and so even though he kind of tried to move around around it and, and not give it light they still vulture still decided to like embed something so mm-hmm. that we could get more information on like what happened so i thought that was good yeah um uh, but then he goes back into yeah, racism, racism again and this is Trump. where he's talking yeah. about you know difference but the disparity between the north and the south yeah but he goes into trump and man he just kind of lays it out about trump yeah um which was you know obviously we're going to eat this up you know him calling him a megalomaniac narcissist that's nothing yeah. that we don't already know exactly but what we probably didn't know exactly. is this shit between him and ivanka so so <laughs> i feel like he says i used to date her and then he gives us like one date that he went on with her and it makes me wonder did he date her like they went on multiple dates and spent time together or did he date her as in he took her out to dinner one time and then... That, that I think they had relations. Around. If you look at the GQ article, uh-huh. he says that he has 22 girlfriends and they mm-hmm. all know it. Um, and he says it looked like, you know, women are smart, they're aggressive as ever um, and they know the deal and it's cool. Like, it's all like cool. And 
I'm sure that Ivanka was probably one of those women in his roster. But I mean, why? Like, why? Like, what is what does Ivanka get from getting with? Uh, let's say it was 20 years ago, a 65 year old man. Well, it wasn't 20 years ago. I think it was 10 years ago. Okay, I think so uh, 15. So a 75 year old man. Because it's Quincy Jones. I mean, didn't I, don't Mick, know. I think Mick Jagger just married a woman who was like 20 or 30. Yeah, I just you know, I don't know. Trent Reznor is married to a woman who's. Like I've never heard the the stories of of Ivanka or anyone in the Trump family's great love for any type of music to a point where Quincy it would matter that it was Quincy. Jones. But it's still, but, but it's, I mean, it's you know, still Quincy Jones though, right? I think I think you're giving you're giving him a license that's not necessarily there, right? Like you're you're assuming he had relations with her from him saying, "I used to date her. I took her on a date once." <laughs> I think she knows who Quincy Jones is. Anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, so 12 years ago, um, and he, he, uh, he mentions Kadada for the first time here, which, you know, I'm always interested to hear about Kadada because when Tupac was alive, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that she existed from the perspective of them, Mm -hmm. you know, their relationship. And then since he's passed and we hear all this stuff about how they were together and et cetera. So always love when we get the Kadada mentions. This is actually expounded on very well in the GQ article. Yeah. The guy asked him about what Tupac had to say. Yep. And Tupac said some very hurtful shit that right. we're not going to repeat here. Right. But Quincy Jones said, yeah, it hurt. And Rashida, when she was in Harvard, yeah. actually addressed this to yep. Tupac. And then he was trying to holler, holler at, at Kadada. Uh, they were at some diner or some, some pub or something like that. And then Quincy Jones tapped him on the shoulder. Yeah. Tupac apologized, yeah. said it was wrong. Quincy Jones forgave him, and they became tight. Yeah. He said they that's became family. Yeah. He so said they were going to do a movie together. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, But, um, you know, big up to, to Quincy for being able to do that because I think that, you know, given his entire life story, the shit that he's been through, he's probably seen the best and the worst from people. Yeah. In fact, he talks about that a lot in the GQ. Mm-hmm. You know, he's seen, he said that he saw uh, Ray Charles inject heroin into yes. his testicles. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's that's fucked up. You know, and he says, it's like, yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. Seeing that will fuck you up. He also, you know? though, we talked about, because obviously what Tupac's comments were about was the fact that he was known for dating white women, right? Yeah. And, um, and he talked white about, women. Yeah, but he, he talked about how people from his era Right. saw it as a badge of honor yeah. almost you know to, have to, to date and marry white women i'm not gonna judge I, I, I can't judge it i can't judge it because i, I didn't yeah. come up in it like my perspective is different yeah. from theirs right what i'm saying is it like i get it i also i just i don't like it yeah i don't like you it I, I don't like it but i but i can also understand that look if you grow up in a time where you know your blackness as a man is constantly put under threat and they're telling you you can't you can't do, you can't do something right. you're going to want to do that yeah. i get that the problem that i have now though that's not good behavior on right. our part as right. black men it, at least in my opinion it's not and i think that we still kind of see some of that today yeah and i understand if that was the case for quincy jones growing up at the time that he did mm-hmm. um but i think that for our generation now i would hate for that to still be this thing and i know that there mm-hmm. are some black women i've heard them who they still feel the black men still feel that way and mm-hmm. i'm not saying that the writer that they're wrong but in the cases in the cases that they're probably right it's just it's a little disheartening for me yeah so yeah that's fair i mean I, I i can't really say i disagree with you on any of that i thought i thought it was though interesting because i'm not sure i necessarily heard it articulated that way 
Uh, and the other time I heard it was in the same week. Um, there was an interview that came out with uh, Beyonce's father. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw that, but yeah. essentially he talked about how she wouldn't be as successful as she were was if she were, were darker skinned. And he talked about how when he was younger, he right. only he only dated white women or very light skinned women. And he said that the reason why he came on to Beyonce's mother when they met was because he thought she was a white woman. And so uh, I, I guess, and I, and I was, it was interesting that it was so forthcoming, but then I read yeah. the byline and essentially he's coming out with a book about colorism. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting too, especially, you know, if you guys follow, what is it, Love and Hip Hop Miami, the stuff that's going on with mm-hmm. Amara La Negra, who is an artist I actually knew about like years ago, mm-hmm. um, just because I saw some dark skinned woman with an Afro who's thick looking really good on stage like obviously <laughs> i'm gonna pay attention so i knew her about her way before her whole <clears throat> dust up with dj holiday and whatever mm. but you know that's one of the complaints that she's going through right now both mm. as a dark woman with natural hair um mm. or with an afro mm. and uh you know with her afro latina experience that colorism you know it's it's still going on right now yeah uh, i don't necessarily want to put truth to what mr Knowles. what's his first name Matthew. Matthew. I don't want to put truth to what Matthew Knowles says about the fact that she probably wouldn't be as successful if she were darker. You think that there's that even merits a a thought? Like I think it's it's just a blatant fact, right? Well, you think that that she there's a possibility that Beyonce would be Beyonce. What I'm saying. What I'm saying is this: there, I know that we're going to have listeners who are going to hear that and say, "Oh, don't put truth to that." Uh, right okay, that's okay. what i'm saying yeah but at no, the same I mean, time that, that, too, that like, takes nothing away from her her yeah, talent exactly. or anything like that no, no um but at the same time i do still look like the way i still look at the world the music industry mm-hmm. um the entertainment industry as objectively as i can that is kind of what i see as well mm-hmm. um and it's you know it's not good i'm not complimentary of this i think yeah. it's tragic that that's right. the case um it's just yeah. interesting to hear it coming from her own father yeah yeah you know fuck that guy right so <laughs> damn <laughs> all right um so, so what are, um, so so what are our thoughts on oprah as the next president there was a lot of hype in 2017 she comes out yeah. at the what was it the, the grammys or the emmys i don't even know what it was it was one of those award shows, shows that i don't shows. watch yeah exactly. um but she gives a supposed presidential speech and quincy right. jones is like yeah she ain't ready for that shit <laughs> <laughs> but then he goes well in order to be the president you gotta uh, be a governor or a ceo of a company and the interviewer goes but she is the ceo of a company and he's like <laughs> fuck that shit she she can't you know <laughs> yeah but then but then he says the symphony conductor knows more about how to lead than most business people right yeah um so so okay, Quincy, are he's you the president? He's like, jumping around. Yeah, like what are you talking about, man? But uh, uh, I, 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 I don't think I don't think he's wrong necessarily. Yeah. But um, you know, I love Oprah as much as everyone else. Maybe I, I guess I've had I've had ups and downs with it. I, mm-hmm. I, I like Oprah a, a lot in terms of um, I think she's very very great at what she does. Yeah, have multiple things that she's done. She's she's a very good businesswoman. Um, she yeah. understands brand management, how to protect her brand, how to build it. Yeah. Um. I she's a woman who I've always had a great deal of respect for. Right. Um, but it's also one of those things too where I'm not sure if I would take advice from Oprah. Like mm. if, if maybe on a specific project in mm-hmm. terms of like things that I don't know about. Right. Um, things about like you know how to get in in with the certain contacts and how to take your project and get it heard. Like I would take mm-hmm. that kind of respect. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like actual life lessons, mm-hmm. how to live your best life. Oprah is not one of the people that I would mm. go to. Yeah, um, but I mean, the other thing is, right, K- 
can we really solve populism with more populism, right? right? Like, like, do we go from Trump, who is obviously doing a horrible job of running the country? Sorry, I had to say it. Um, and sorry. we say, sorry, okay, right. And we say, well, that didn't work. So we need to find somebody who's even more popular, yeah. but just on our side of the aisle. Exactly. And then get that person to be the president. And I'm not know. sure if that's going to work either. Yeah. She's not. So, look, if it were her or, you know, Trump or someone like Trump oh, yeah. or even half these motherfuckers I hear in Congress right now, I'm going I'm to go with her. Yeah. Right. But I mean, she's not my first choice. Yeah. All right. So here we, we get to the Bono, the Bono conversation, which is hilarious to me. He talks about how, like, you know, the industry is still racist which of course we, we talked about that a little bit right but then the interviewer says is you two still making good music? <laughs> shakes his head and he just shakes his head you two hasn't made good music for a while though no they have not and yeah. they put that damn album on my apple device and i had the album there for <laughs> so long and it was funny i was actually talking to some friends and they were talking about how uh one of my homegirls was like yeah, I actually like know the words to some of the songs. She was like, because I'll put my iPod on shuffle or my iPhone and on shuffle up. and the album will come up. She's like, so like, I don't even want to know these songs. They're not good to me, but they just keep popping up. And I thought that was hilarious. What, what yeah. I found interesting is that he said that some of the work he's most proud of is the stuff that he did with, with Bono, uh, with Bono yeah. and this debt relief, which I didn't realize that was the thing that actually happened i've never liked that song we are the world I, yeah, actually, was I, I wasn't a fan of it either so but I, but it was it was dope like it was star-studded it, they were doing what? that tell the call-a-thon remember that that was like that was like epic like it was like you know what and they had all these celebrities and... if you fucking say so <laughs> sure i'll take your word for it but i never yeah, liked that song yeah, yeah, a piece of music it's not a good piece of music in my <laughs> but, opinion i mean um, hey, but it was in... jones is the only person on the world that knows what good music is <laughs> I, I i think for him it was just like you know you have all of these disparate pieces, right? Yeah. It's like I'm giving you a square piece, a round piece. Uh, you know, you had country singers, I can rappers, respect it from that whatever. Perspective. Yeah, and I then, can respect it. I can respect it from. He brought. I don't them all think together. it's a very good song. Yeah. But I think that putting the song together yeah. probably took probably a great deal of work difficult. that I am not yeah. paying enough respect to. So I can, I can appreciate the idea of putting something like that together, and even though. Like, I, immediately moves into you know they said the rockers didn't like it and he's like no these are three rock legends that loved it like it was just cindy lopper she wouldn't listen to me yeah. fuck that hoe he <laughs> 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 was like yo man for real he was like he was really he really took it personally that it seemed like she didn't really buy into what he was trying to do it's hilarious that he like he mentions that like bono like i don't know like named his son after him and then he was like no but his music sucks <laughs> well he says his music still is great but he also he does a, yeah. a thing where he's talking about he's trying to distinguish the music from the person yeah says bono's a great guy right, right. Um, which is something that actually needs to be said because a lot of people don't like bono they yeah. respect the fact that he is a good philanthropist mm -hmm. he's a good humanitarian there are people who find him to be very very um pretentious condescending mm. And, you know, to just, I don't know, a person that they don't really like. Mm. Interesting. No, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. like. so, so then we get the, the, the best quote in this entire shit, which is, what's something you've worked on that should have been bigger? What the fuck, fuck are you, you talking, talking about? about? I've, I've never, never had, had that problem. They were all big. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish, like, I, I just, before any, like, job interview, any major performance, I need to just read this, like. What's so funny about that is just a minute earlier, he's sitting here talking about how Trump is an egomaniac. And that right. is like the most egomaniac thing you could say. Right. Not that I necessarily disagree. 
Um, he has done some very good work. Obviously, there's a reason why he's one of our big fans. He also has a lot of records, yes, and some does. of those records are okay, and some of those yeah. records are great, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that everything he did was amazing, right. um, but I think that he's also done some of the most amazing things that we've heard through decades. Right? And then the next thing, honestly, they say, how about a musician who deserves more acclaim? He mentions three musicians who, in my opinion, actually do deserve more, more acclaim. I don't know that um, enough about James Ingram, so yeah. I'll definitely cop to that. I love that they mentioned the Brothers Johnson. Oh, man. Strawberry Letter 23. Yeah, and, but they're they're so underrated for how yeah. ill they were. Yeah, they were dope. Yeah, were dope. I don't know. And then Tevin Campbell as well. Um, he was actually... It's wild because if Tevin Campbell's career had happened a little later, he wouldn't have fallen victim to what he did, right? Right. With the whole, you know, that he was outed as being gay mm -hmm. and then, like, you know, mm -hmm. it was a big deal. It was mm -hmm. a scandal. Um, it wouldn't have been up. so much, yeah. And um, another thing I wanted to mention because we're talking about Tevin Campbell is um, he played the blackest character on on a Disney movie to me ever. Powerline to me is like it's just oh, the yeah. holy grail the, the of movie. Music. Yes, yeah. Powerline, what? Powerline yeah. was the shit, dog. Like yeah. that's my favorite. The, I love the music on that movie. I love that movie. Period. And um, I, forgot about I remember that. seeing no, that, that and seeing Powerline and being like, yo, it's crazy. So shout out to Tevin Campbell. I, I hear he's actually trying to come back. Oh, well, I hope so. Um, Good luck to him. Yeah. So, all right, what's next? This next one is the reason why I respect Quincy Jones as yeah. much as I do. Um, when it says that, you know, strictly from a musical, musical perspective, what have you done that you're most proud of? Yeah. Anything I can feel, I can not notate musically. Yeah, I not many people can do that. Yeah. I can make a band play like a singer sings. That's what arranging is, and it's a great gift. I wouldn't trade it for shit. And it's one hundred percent correct. Yeah. You look at you look at two people that we we laud a lot um when we're talking about producers of, of our era, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Dre, mm -hmm. um, somebody who was playing music, making music and Felt, started to feel limited in what he could do in hip hop, and went and got Burt Bacharach to to teach him, you know, right. like classical composing and right. things like that. And then, you know, you look at DJ Quick. Uh, there was an an interview with DJ Quick, and they were asking him what he was doing, and he he was like, he was like, I'm at a point where I'm such a good keyboardist that I can play realistic parts of certain instruments with like wind instruments he was like you know brass instruments i can play realistic parts on a keyboard mm -hmm. so you would think that you're hearing you know what the actual instrument is right and so i just saying that to say like these are people who understood like musicianship and like really really cared about musicianship and, mm -hmm. and brought it forward in their art and quincy talks about that a lot this is obviously the beginning of it but then he starts talking about you know hip-hop and why he's dismissing rap as his four bar loops and I can't say he's wrong. And this is where I'm going to get on my high horse huh. and say that this is the reason why I went away from hip hop. Yeah, it's no, exactly I, I have, what he's to, talking I have about. to say I agree with and, him. You know, because yeah. I've said it numerous times on the podcast that around, you know, 2004, around that time period, I really started to move away from hip hop. And that's when like Kanye West was coming out, which is probably mm -hmm. one of the reasons why all those early Kanye records. I can't fucking stand them, right? Mm -hmm. And we and we we talked about that. And a lot yeah. of people say, "Oh, you're crazy, you're wrong." I'm like, I also don't give a shit. You know, suck my dick. Like I don't give a fuck. Those <laughs> yeah. records aren't good. Okay, Wait, and I what, know that what records aren't good. 
None Which of the one? first three. Uh, you know, look, I'm not saying he doesn't have good shit what? on there. Yes, I know. Exactly. This is what I'm talking about, right? Do you think late registration is, is bad? I think that as a collection, right? I'm not saying he doesn't have good pieces of music on there, mm. right? But those albums to me, when people talk about the old Kanye, I'm like, fuck it, it can stay there. I don't care. He's mm. not a good vocalist. He well, was doing... Yeah, he could. He wasn't doing anything even really innovative. Like, I, whatever. Like, on a few yeah. records, the joints were good. But my point is this. So, is it, but, we're going we're gonna to have to run that back. Just like fine, we're going to have to run back Fonte. That's we're fine, gonna have to that's run fine. Back. But look, yeah, one of the yeah. reasons why I feel this so strongly about it is okay. because he was becoming so popular at a time mm-hmm. when I was distancing myself from hip-hop. And so maybe had I not started to do that my opinions about him would change and so mm-hmm. that was the whole reason why i was bringing this up right but around that time i was really getting into jazz music mm-hmm. really getting into it yeah. really getting into nina simone you know starting to get into just musical genres from elsewhere brazil africa oh, just man, you know um, so um, um not the middle east but uh more east of that um what, like india music? like oh. uh like the punjabi stuff um that's not the right word for it bangra Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, really getting to just other oh, and like in North Africa as well, mm-hmm. like uh, some of the the, the drum instrumentation, instrumentation, and like some of the North African music. Yeah. I was really starting to get into that, so I'm just like, I come back into hip hop. I'm like, yo, fuck this shit. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not this stuff isn't all that great. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I got even got into that is because of hip hop, right? Because right. I'm sitting here and I'm trying to sample records and I'm trying to figure out how put things together and i shouldn't be talking shit because nothing i did was ever all that great i'm sure my friends are going to listen to some of my beats and say hey good job you know mm-hmm. but like i'm not i'm not an idiot i you know i was not fit to be a musician um and i can i can state that but that being said what he has to say about hip-hop mm-hmm. i agree with 100%. yeah my favorite quote actually about the from this whole situation was he talked about he's like Ciroc and fat farm and shit and he goes when when it becomes about money god walks out of the room right and i just thought that was so powerful because i I really really believe that like i think to some degree some of the shit that some of the moments uh, the way certain musical moments can touch you is almost in an an, an inhuman way right it's Mm -hmm. almost as if i don't know i don't know what everybody's beliefs are but it's almost as if like a higher power is speaking or moving through a musician right sure um, and you don't get that from money, cash, hoes. Like, right. you know, you don't get that from that. And no disrespect to Jay specifically, right. but you know, and, and I really, I really thought that that was dope. And I think, you know, everything that he's, he's saying here just about how, you know, eventually your ear goes to sleep when you're just mm-hmm. do, doing loops. And it's interesting because now even hip hop music has changed, right? Yeah. As a result of what he's saying Every rap song is two minutes and 30 seconds now. Right. There was a time period where every rap song was between 350 and five minutes. Mm-hmm. Now they're getting shorter and shorter because they're repetitive and people's ears are turning off. And so mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out ways. You notice um, in the evolution or devolution, depending on who you ask, yeah. of what MCs do now, um, when you listen to their rhymes, they almost they're they're almost like just four bar verses. Like mm-hmm. it's like there will be a verse that's all melody. They're singing. Then there's a verse that's just all triplets. Da 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 da. Then the next four bars is them like rapping just a straight you know on a straight cadence. Like so it, it, all, it all of that is like literally just them trying to trick your ear sure. it, to be more entertaining because a lot of the music is just the same shit happening in four bar loops over and over again and the crux of what he's saying is essentially what you know yik and i have been talking about for a while now maybe in a different respect yeah. um because i think that it's fair to say that yinka is probably more 
closely tied to hip hop music than I am, or at least I think that you have you maintain your affinity towards you know the hip hop that I kind of passed over more so than I do, right? right. Um, but in the same time, like there have been times you know before we even did this podcast where you were expressing your disappointment about hip hop and like and where it was going, and right. I always say thanks to you, like, but who cares? Like, good music is good music, yeah. And you know, it's there's so many music out there that's old stuff that you haven't heard, like, right. But you know, you had such a such a, a strong affinity towards it. But now, like, we talk about music nowadays, and it's just like a lot of times. We're trying to be respectful to what people like. Right. But at the end of the day, we're like, yo, a lot of this shit is just garbage. Right, right. right. If you click over to the GQ article and you read what he has to say about Taylor Swift and about some of these musicians, he's like, look, like, she might be the most popular singer, but, you know, she doesn't know how to put music together. Right. She's like, all it is is just putting hooks. a hook on a track. Like, that's all she's doing. Yeah. And I think that what he doesn't necessarily say specifically, but what he insinuates is that there are other factors going in to making people like the music and mm -hmm. you and i have talked about oh, that a lot all the time um you know it's like when you said when you put money into the room or when you put money into the picture god walks out of the room when you right. talk about sarah you talk about fat farms like one mm -hmm. those are business ventures but two is like those are the images yeah and you and i have said this on <laughs> numerous occasions that like what what people like about some of their favorite artists now we don't have to say who those artists are right. but these are things that are not directly tied to the music exactly. and when people rip and rave about all these different artists that are coming out and we're like meh that's mm -hmm. the reason why because right. We're not drawn to some of these other factors that are going into the listeners liking this stuff. Right. And so, look, it might sound pretentious. I don't fucking care. Um, <laughs> but that's essentially kind of what Quincy Jones is, is, yeah. is, is saying. And that's why what he's saying here, like, resonates with me uh, so much. It definitely resonated with so, me. And it, it was, and it was like, it's, it's, it's almost like validation from someone you right. already respect as a right. musician. Um, but, but the next thing that he said to me was... was it really, really resonated with me. Um, we talked about this actually a lot previously, right? Mm -hmm. um, actually, particularly with Panama, right? Um, he talks about how like Coltrane was like a, a big student mm -hmm. of of other jazz, like before yeah. him, j jazz musicians, and, he's and not just jazz one. musicians, just other, oh, yeah, like yeah. classical musicians. And and so he talks about how like the reason why the musicians of current day, like a lot of them aren't just aren't that good because they don't study and appreciate the things that came before them. This is true. And I think that that's 100% true. I mean, it's he talks... just... I'm he, sorry, go ahead. He talked about Michael Jackson at the very beginning, and he said, Michael Jackson steals shit, right? Yeah. But he also would not... If you said Michael Jackson's the greatest music musician who ever lived, he's not going to say no to that, right? right? Like, in that, I think... Michael Jackson stole because he had to be familiar with the stuff to steal, mm -hmm. to steal it, right? So, like, Michael Jackson was a student. He talks about Michael Jackson's attention to detail and how he watched people like, you know, James Brown. And he he paid very close attention to James Brown and Gene Kelly and the people who were, you know, his his predecessors. And now we have this, you know, era where it's like, you know, we, we, we got on Little Yachty because Little Yachty was on Instagram or whatever talking about Tupac, Biggie, they fucking suck. Like, All these people, these yeah, old people, Drake they're trash. Better. You know, yeah. Like, you, know, you know what's interesting about that, though? Quincy Jones says he's a fan of Drake. Yeah. Quincy Jones and Drake actually may have more in common than a lot of rap artists and Quincy Jones. Why is that? Because Drake is an arranger. He's not, yeah. a, he's not, a, he's not really a writer. He's not yeah. really, a, he, he arranges music that's, comes from lots of different sources right. <laughs> but anyway you know but it's not just the musicians who don't respect who came before them i think it's some of the listeners too like i was talking to 
a coworker of mine who's 25. He's from Atlanta. He's a bright kid, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's so crazy me calling a 25 year old a kid, but yeah, that's know, what right? it is. You're old. And he, you know, <laughs> we were talking about like certain hip hop artists, and he was saying how like I was saying to look like like I like Two Chains. In fact, he was the one who put me on to the Pretty Girls like trap music, right? right. And I was saying that, like, I actually respect him as a rapper now. I'm not saying that he's as good as some of these other folks. I'm not going to put mm-hmm. him up in my high tiers, but I'm like, I like him. And he was saying that, like, oh, you know, he used to think 2 Chainz was the best, which is laughable. But he's like, wow. like now it's, it's future, and it's just like it's not even close. <laughs> so then he goes through some of these future lyrics, and I'm like, you're, you're joking, right? And he's like, nah, because he's saying this and this and this. And I'm like, dude, yeah. you could write what he's saying. Yeah. There is nothing special about what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you haven't gone back to listen to other artists exactly. that came before you, you don't recognize the other rappers back in the 80s, like that time period. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much coming up with the same rhymes. They're just duplicating shit, but you mm-hmm. like think it's hot. So don't tell me that like that it's the lyrics. It's not. It's yeah. others, it's other shit. You're right. right. So 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 then, you know, it's the uneducated leading the uneducated in that the, right. the musicians aren't aren't educated about music. So they're not presenting, you know it's it's almost like how you have to take calculus one to take calculus two right. and then you know you go to multivariate calculus right but you're building on concepts that, to create something new and so that's why like jazz musicians were so incredible because yeah they weren't talks about they that. weren't playing atonally and like you know doing all these crazy runs and things like that because they didn't know how to do everything else right they could do everything else yes. everyone else was doing to the point where they got bored doing it and then they just started trying to come up with other things so it's like you watch like certain jazz concerts like j- certain jazz pianists and etc mm-hmm. and um i mean even like stanley clark like bassists right they they get to a point where they're they're playing for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like because which they're, was one they're of the so criticisms of, of jazz music in the right. seventies. They try to play for, the, for they're other so musicians. advanced that yeah. it's like okay, all this stuff that we were playing for these crowds is boring, and and that that actually takes us back to if you want to go full circle, the roots. We talked about um, the uh, the intro to uh, things fall apart, right? Where you know he's like play some shit, motherfuckers want to hear, right. and they're gonna co- you know come out. So it's like. Do you regress yourself to create something that yeah. the that the audience wants to hear just because you know that that's what they what they want to hear? And maybe we got to a point where that became so popular and made so much money that the industry only focused on just that. Yeah. People who could give you whatever that image or that ear candy was at that moment to make that direct sale. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so you you cut out all the musicians that t- to some degree are playing music just for music's sake yeah. i think honestly kendrick is the closest thing in the men in the mainstream yeah, that we have pro- to that he gives right? props to kendrick and he get and he, he does give props to kendrick but kendrick is is an as to some degree a rapper's rapper mm-hmm. you know at rappers appreciate what it is that he does because it's not something that everybody can do and you can appreciate it i almost think and we've talked about this before a lot of people that are kendrick fans mm-hmm don't even really get or grasp I don't think they do what, what he's doing. No. They just like him because it's popular. It's popular, And that's like the him, genius right? of Kendrick, right? right? Because like I said, I don't go to Kendrick for lyricism, but mm-hmm. I do go to Kendrick for music because I think that he understands, you know, music in general. The musicality of his albums is really, really good. Yeah. Um, but not only that, like he also understands social media and mm-hmm. how to, pre- he understands the image mm-hmm. of, you know the pop artist and you were saying this uh before recording Mm -hmm. that you know kendrick lamar is probably the best at doing music videos right now and that's so important especially in a in a generation where people have kind of gone away from the tv a little bit and everything is online everything is on youtube everything is just a click away 
um, you know, the the music video art is probably more important now than it ever was. Yeah, for sure. And he, to me, is head and shoulders right. above everyone. Like he's like when Hype Williams did the first two or three like right. big videos, and then everybody just wanted to go to Hype Williams, and so it was like Hype Williams and everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like where Kendrick is. Like Kendrick's videos are just so much better than everybody else's. Right. And it's wild because it's weaved so well into what the message and image is for him. Exactly. That other artists can't copy it. Right. Like with 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 hype, it was like, okay, it kind of happened that way at first. Like like Missy is Missy, right? right. So like you can't copy a Missy video because right. it would look crazy. And then Busta, Busta is also kind of the same yeah. thing, right? But then like other artists, you couldn't really duplicate that, but people still went to hype and he just he just put them on yachts. And then eventually you're like, okay, look, how many more times do we have to see this this like thin screen frame? Yeah. You know, like the hype Williams thing almost just became a thing, right? Because yeah. it was just like it was just the same shit for everybody. They haven't found a way to do what Kendrick is doing with videos. Mm-hmm that just match everybody yet and so that's no. why i think he's so much better. i don't think they can and i think that kendrick is one of those folks who he's putting just as much energy into that side of it yeah um which is one of the brilliant things about him is like because look you get the music for folks like us you get the images for folks like everyone else mm-hmm. who um you know is going to be more drawn to that mm-hmm. and so now because they're they're drawn to that you got them on this elevated state like hey yeah. we get to appreciate the music too yeah, so. really dope. And and it's also dope that Quincy, you know, points him out here and mm-hmm. says, Hey, you know, I think that Kendrick Lamar is dope. So that that's that's tight too. Um, so you want to talk you, about uh, Coltrane at all? Well, I didn't know that about Coltrane. Yeah, um, I didn't know that about Giant Steps, that it was pretty much from Nicol- uh Nicholas uh Slaminski's book. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about because I didn't even know who Nicholas Slaminski was. I was just yeah. le- learning about him now. But I, Giant Steps is one of my favorite Coltrane records. It probably is my favorite Coltrane record. Okay. Um, it's not my favorite jazz record, but it's it's up there. But I don't know. Just the cool thing about it, like you know, I've always liked Giant Steps, mm-hmm. and so you know, to hear Quincy Jones like talk about it, it's just like, oh, like, yeah. all right, it's cool. And it's funny because he's like, he's almost low key shading him, but he's also elevating him in that he's nah, like, he's, he's saying like. Yo, no idea is original. You know, like right. it's like it's like these people are great because they respected the people before them and they they just worked really really hard at studying what was done before and that's how they became so great themselves. But you know, he's also talking about shit that I don't really quite understand. Oh no, he went over my head. And I actually yeah. thought that you might you no, might have uh, yeah, when no. he started talking about until he came back to like what about when he was playing atonally? I'm like, "Okay, I know that." Yeah. But like you know, when he was talking about 12-tone and, you know, like, and he was talking about, like, I, it was just advanced jazz concepts. Yeah, you that can't I get understand. further out than 12-tone and Giant Stess is 12-tone. The, the thing to yeah. me is that, look, like, I like jazz. I think I have a good ear for jazz. Like, mm-hmm. some of the albums that I was first introduced to, I really, really liked, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't realize that they were critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. And then I found out through the years, and Giant Stess is one of them, I was like, no, this is, like, one of the best jazz records ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. So I can appreciate the music like i can follow along in my head when the the jazz artists are improvising Mm -hmm. um and what they're about to do like i can follow along with all that stuff and i can recognize like what's some 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 good jazz music but i don't necessarily understand all of this 12 tone i have no idea what the fuck he's talking about (laughs) so Uh, i just know that it's like giant steps is a dope record Uh um naima is one of my is one of my favorite coltrane tracks yeah it's it's dope so then he you know he basically the the the, back to the whole ciroc and fat farm thing right like he says people gave up the spirit of jazz to chase money and i I really agree with that you know 
Um, and then he says, you could spend a million dollars on a piano part, but it won't make you a million dollars back. Right. I, that, that was interesting to me because I thought I, I was like, what exactly did he mean? Like, does he mean that music is just music or does he mean that you could spend a million dollars on a piano part because it's just that good? Mm -hmm. And because people don't know the difference between an excellent piano part and just an okay piano part, that the that it's investment good isn't going to be a return. It's on a good question. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know what he means. Yeah. That's a very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to me. I took it to mean the first part, uh -huh. but I think now that you say that people can't tell the difference, it's like, yeah. oh, maybe that is what he means. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. It's like um, the you know back to Wu Tang because you always like to bring it back to Wu Tang. Yeah. The dumb are mostly intrigued by, by the, the drum, drum right? Yeah. Like it's like are folks really gonna get it after a certain point? It's almost like you know your exponential growth type of thing where you get to a point where you're just incrementally making something better, but like people aren't really understanding, mm -hmm. you know, or frequencies, right? Like your ear can only hear certain frequencies. So once you get above a certain frequency, it's like yeah, pointless. Right. So kind of harp, harping back on the somewhat egomaniac statement, he said that like, yeah. are you serious? Like everything I've done is big. He kind of uh -huh. echoes those sentiments again, where he's uh -huh. asked, you know, what's your greatest musical invention? He's like, innovation, everything I've done. Right. So the guy's like, everything you've done was innovative. Yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was dope that he brought it back to this idea of like, he studied every type yeah. of music yeah. and he played every type of music. And as a result of that, when he when he did Thriller, like he didn't have to learn anything because right. at that point in time, it was like, it's almost like putting tools in your tool bag. And yeah. then when you get there, like you literally are prepared for anything. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we get when we hear Michael Jackson, which if you think about it, right, because Quincy was so instrumental in, in Michael Jackson's biggest records, mm -hmm. that means that one of the reasons we loved it, we all loved it so much, right? Thriller's the, the biggest selling album of all time. It sold yeah. 66 million copies. It, the reason we all loved it so much is because it probably had little elements of everything that everybody likes. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> so um, again, he kind of talks about, um, you know, the, the question is, what would account for the songs being less good than they used to be? And he talks about how producers don't know about music, like, you know, and, and I think that he's right. <laughs> what I did kind of dig, right, mm -hmm. is this next part where he's talking about how, you know, he's doing the event for Dr. Martin Luther King yeah. birthday thing, uh, yeah, which, you know, Stevie so. Wonder was in charge of putting together. Mm -hmm. And he says a group of white women, uh, there's a mm -hmm. family of them, it's like grandmother, mother, daughter, whatever. Right. They come out to him with you know three albums uh sinatra at the sands which i've not heard mm -hmm. the dude which i have heard i have i own i think i have it on oh, cd and i have vinyl. like i think i have like three or four copies yeah, of vinyl exactly exactly that's, <laughs> yeah that's one it's of like those, one of those records yeah. that like you you just have to have it and if you ever get someone else's collection yeah. they have it yeah, exactly. like you know like, they're gonna have you, it. like every single time <laughs> I've, I've gone to like back when i was collecting records and i've had to stop just because you know you run out of places yeah, to put them and exactly. you don't even get to listen to everything right. whenever you buy something in bulk there's always like one or two copies of dude the like dude, yeah. one might be like torn up and others like oh look a fresh copy of dude like yeah. nice yeah. let me listen to it again right <laughs> so so you got the dude and then obviously yeah. the daughter like, and right. for those women to come up to him and from each generation to I say like that. this is my favorite record out uh, ever um and he says it really touched him and yeah. i i feel that that would be that would have been an amazing amazing moment for me and I've yeah. never done anything that he's done, obviously, but I, I, and, I absolutely and think yo, that's amazing. To take it back to my, you know, my recent Mike Fights victory. Um, you know, <laughs> shout, out right. to, shout out to, to Calvin Cyrus. Um, Dr. Dre is someone else who's going to be able to do that eventually, mm -hmm. right? Like, like he's 
someone who's, I guess, probably created music that's impacted people in at least two generations? Uh, you could probably say with uh, Straight Outta Compton, The Chronic, uh, and yeah. The Chronic 2001. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if that counts as three gener generations. Yeah, that's what but I'm saying. I, I it might be two, two to three generations. Yeah. So. so, well, now he's getting specifically in what we're talking about, uh, pop music. And I actually kind of understand where the interviewer is coming from. And I actually mm. kind of agree with the interviewer a mm. little bit in the sense that look like i i can't i'm not in a position to really challenge quincy jones right, right? he's like i said he's seen everything um yeah. and he understands way more about music than i could ever possibly understand um but i do kind of feel where he's coming from specifically when mm. he's talking about film scoring which yeah. we can get to later yeah. but he's mentioning some of the pop musicians that he yeah. likes so mm. he says bruno mars yeah. which i get what I found interesting is that he says Chance the Rapper, but not mm. Kanye. And I'm uh -huh. curious if that's a shot at Kanye. Look, I don't want to put words uh, into his mouth because so. he didn't say it. Uh -huh. But Kanye is someone who has prided himself on buying that million dollar piano part mm. uh, when perhaps it wasn't you know when, mm. when it wasn't necessary um and kanye thinks that he's pushing the envelope really really far yeah uh, i That's don't know what are what are, what are your takes what are your I, thoughts on that i want to say that you know and maybe i'm giving him a little bit too much artistic license here mm -hmm. but uh but i, I want to say that in his mind kanye is a relic of the the generation before mm -hmm. the, and and so chance the rapper is like a fairly new artist kendrick is like a fairly new artist yeah. bruno is like a fairly new, i think in his mind, Kanye would be the generation before yeah. with, with, that influenced these guys. What's interesting, though, um, about Bruno is that mm -hmm. we were talking about this, um, yeah. that he hasn't really done anything like innovative. He's kind of borrowing it, with old the exception sounds. of, yeah, maybe one or two tracks. But, but yeah, but I mean, I think, though, I was talking to somebody else about it. It's like really, really high quality, not creative music. Yeah. No, I so I mean, it. like, I it's like it. from a musicality perspective, I mean, I know he's bringing in musicians that are very talented mm -hmm. and they're spending a lot of money on the music. It's yeah. just, that he's not, he's not like making music where he's, I don't know, doing something brand new. And yeah. I don't think that Quincy's necessarily elaborated in such a way that he was saying that he thought that he was doing anything innovative. He just yeah. kind of likes what he's doing. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I just don't get chance because I'm not all that into like gospel or whatever. Um, Yo, a, a lot of people say that. And I my response to that is, please go back and listen to Acid Rap. Oh, I tried um, to listen to it. I can't. Yeah. It's not on. I don't think it's on Spotify. I haven't been able to find it. It's probably not. It's probably on like your band camps and SoundCloud just because I think that was before he was. All right. I'll go back and listen to that for sure. So, yeah. Um, but, um, but here's where I kind of want. Like I said, I'm not in a position to challenge Quincy Jones, mm -hmm. but I am going to challenge him on this one point. And it's one thing that I kind of wish the interviewer mentioned, but he didn't. Okay. I'm curious what his thoughts on James Brown are. That's because, great. Because, you know, he says that Michael Jackson looked at James Brown, but yeah. Michael Jackson looked at Michael jo James Brown from a performance standpoint. Right. And no one on planet Earth can challenge just how dope James Brown was right. as a performer. Right. But James Brown, admittedly, didn't understand really music and his mm. band knew that he didn't like he he couldn't write music but he was still doing innovative things and yeah, so yeah. you got That's this person who i think really loved music mm -hmm. and in fact cites the it was a uh, the miles davis record um so what mm -hmm. that kind of influenced his his sound like if you take mm -hmm. so what if you take the bass and the horn mm -hmm. uh, the horn section right and you speed it up and you put some funky drums on it that's essentially the the foundation of what james brown was doing mm -hmm. so he under he could recognize greatness but i don't think he really necessarily understood how to put that 
that together. Right. Yet he makes some of our favorite yeah. music. Right, right. Um, so I would really, I think that the, the interviewer had a great mm-hmm. chance to ask him what his thoughts on James Brown because I'd be mm-hmm. fascinated to know what Quincy Jones thought. You're right. What I do want to say though about the interviewer is I think whoever this interviewer is did an excellent job. Yeah. Um, and right here specifically, he kind of had this opportunity and I, I feel like he did a great job or he or she, I don't know, it might have been a woman. I think it was like a, a guy, right? Anyway, um, did a really good job of like pushing but not pushing too much. Yeah. So like here, he kind of like, he kind of asks like, okay, you know, you're saying all this get off my lawn shit, yeah. like, but, you know, like, like be more specific. Like, what right, is it exactly. that you're saying? You right. know, like, you know, and, and I, I thought that that was good that he did that and he drew out some of the people here. But then, he, you know, he's, he's saying that the, none of this is new and producers right. are lazy and greedy. And I, I Right, but then he goes on and he talks about film scoring. Right. How, you know, film scoring is, is just as bad as pop music. Um, people are lazy. They don't go back and, and listen to the original. I definitely have to challenge him on that. I mean, like, who's he taking shots at? Is he taking shots at John Williams? I hope not. Is he taking mm. shots at Hans Zimmer? I fucking hope not. You know, Hans Zimmer has some of my favorite yeah. scores. And the things that Hans Zimmer is trying to do right now, um, he, they're taking sounds and they're kind of removing, they're kind of they're dissociating uh, the emotional impact of the sound itself from the musical aspect, right? Mm. Which I think is very clever. Mm. So for example, you know, Hans Zimmer did the uh, the Sicario score and Denis Villeneuve um, said very specifically, at least I think it was Hans Zimmer, either way, but Denis Villeneuve, who's the director of Sicario and Arrival and the new Blade Runner movie, all movies that I love, says that, look, like I didn't necessarily want music here. I wanted the sound to feel like I wanted the, the the viewer to feel like a sense of danger and tension. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't necessarily going for a specific piece of music. Mm-hmm. And me, like I said, the more I learn about cinema, the more I'm going into it. I mm-hmm. think that's perfect. Yeah. Especially when what is considered one of the greatest film scores of all time, uh-huh. um, which is Jaws, right? And the reason why that film score is brilliant isn't necessarily because of all the musical things that it brings into it, mm-hmm. which Quincy Jones would probably challenge me on, but I don't really care. Like what people note note from that Phil score is the two notes, do 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 do, and how they rise. And I'm sure that Quincy Jones will say, "Oh, there's there's musical foundations to that," and he's absolutely correct. But I think that there's other film scores who are doing similar things now. For him to say that like they're all lazy, I yeah. don't know. I. I would love to know specifically who he's you, talking about. You you know a lot more about movies and movie soundtracks than I do. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, I just have to defer to you on that. Um, but there's also a possibility that maybe he's not watching as many films currently as you. I do wonder about that. He may just he may be more talking about his own circles. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I know about Hans Zimmer, but I don't really know that there's a whole lot of what I'll call like celebrity soundtrackers um, right. like there were in his day. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah, the ones that he knows, he he doesn't really appreciate their films. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I do love that he references Sean Fanning, who, for those who yeah. don't know, who those who've only seen Facebook, uh, <laughs> or excuse me, the Social Network, uh, Sean Parker, played by Justin Timberlake, did not create Napster. Right. Um, Sean Fanning, from what I understand, it was Sean Fanning who did it. Yeah. And Sean Parker was involved in terms of trying to like monetize it or yeah. whatever he was doing. But I, was his I don't think it was Sean Parker. And there's even some people who say that 
Sean Fanning actually stole the code from some person else, and maybe he did, whatever. Mm. But I love the fact that he he brings up Sean Fanning. Yeah, and and what he's saying is true, right? Yeah. Um, and and honestly, it's one of the reasons because people come to me and they like I, I'm one of the music industry curmudgeons, right? So I I post stuff like um, Nipsey Hussle had something where he showed how many streams you had to get to make any money in, mm-hmm. in the music industry. So it showed like if you have a million streams on title you get like $50 if you have right. a million streams on like, you know, I don't know. So it, it showed like Spotify and all the different ones. And it was like no money at all. So it, just, I thought it was like just 1500 for a dollar is what I, that's what I thought it was. It was really low for Spotify. I just remember okay. it being like $86 for Spotify. Okay. And I, you know, so, but anyway, um, it was just showing that like, you can't really make any money in a streaming economy, which is, is kind of true. And a lot of that is a result of, um, a music business that in many ways is a lot like the Democratic Party is mm-hmm. now, right? In that um, it's a bunch of old people in an old system that, you know, have kind of been sitting on the top of this hill for so long and they're afraid to allow things to advance because that's their bread and butter and how they're, their core of how they make their money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the system is changing around them. And so I think that's what you get with the music industry. I don't know if you remember, but there was a period of time where literally the RIA was telling everybody they were going to sue them for like downloading <laughs> one song. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. like there was all these like they did this like ICE was like shutting down hip hop websites. And, right. you know, because it was like the RIA, they they knew how to make money off of CD sales and, and all this other stuff just was scary because it's mm-hmm. like, how are we going to make money? And so... um it's interesting that he, you know, someone who is technically like a relic of the the age of vinyl, yeah, is talking about how these people in the music industry are just so old school that they're not smart enough to see that the the business is changing around them. Yeah, because um, I think that's very true. So now we start to getting we start getting into some of the juicy stuff, right? <laughs> uh, I'm sure that the people who read this article, who sent it to me, I'm sure that they got really nerdy the way we did with all the musical conversations. But now we're right. starting to get into the gossip stuff and talk stuff. about Marlon Brando, yeah, um, who apparently would fuck anything, Are including you a mailbox, anything, <laughs> a mailbox. Um, so. I was talking about this article uh, yesterday, and uh, one of the people I was with said that um, they were interviewing Richard Pryor's wife, mm-hmm. and she had she confirmed it. Yeah, confirmed it, and was was open with the fact that yeah, uh, Richard Pryor was bisexual, and that mm-hmm. at the time, before Richard Pryor was even a big name, he was very progressive. He mm-hmm. would talk about these things in his routines. But did you see also that his daughter came out and said that it wasn't true? I don't know. I mean, it's possible <laughs> that she's releasing a, a, a book or a memoir. And so some people were saying that like, yeah, like before this, she had like 2000 followers on Twitter. Once Quincy Jones said this, her followers blew, blew this is up. the daughter or the mom? No, this is the mom. Okay. Um, right. So I don't necessarily know what to believe, but I mean, I wouldn't um, be a bit surprised if, yeah. if he was. Yeah. I mean, he, um, he definitely did. Uh, there's a very specific uh, bit that, that went around and made its rounds um, on social media where he, you know, talked about essentially having sex with a man. Like, right. This and, is Richard Pryor. And, Richard Pryor. Yeah. And he was, it was in the context of him actually, he was roasting Paul Mooney. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, essentially accused Paul Mooney of like, he was like, yeah, he had to suck a lot of dicks to get where he, where he is or something <laughs> like that. And then he like went off on a tangent and talked about like, I remember the first time I had sex with a man, blah, blah, blah. And, and but you know, the way his persona was so wild and out there that I think people just assumed he was joking. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, that. so when, when this interview came out, people immediately posted that Richard Pryor. Okay. Um, uh, they, they, were like, they were like, oh, okay, well, maybe he re- really was. Right. But then the next question was, okay, but what about Marvin Gaye? What's interesting about Marvin Gaye, first of all, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if anyone was. Right. I don't really care. Um, but what's interesting about Marvin Gaye is that mm-hmm. his born name is not Gaye yeah, it's with the G-A-Y-E. It's G-A-Y. And he added the E because he didn't want to people associate his name with being gay. And that's the story a- I heard. Additionally, he fell out with his father because his father was homosexual, right? Like Is that, what that it was? was one of the major I tensions it was over money. between them. No, his father killed him over money. Oh, okay, but one of the major tensions between them, I, I, I believe, and I'm, I may be mistaken, but was like I, his father either like it was like with tr- he had like relationships with trans people or with gay people or something like that, and and he he fell out with his his family and he and he and marvin were not were not on but that's the case it sounds like marvin gay was a closet homophobe it's possible but but typically people that are overwhelmingly homophobic the reason is because yeah that's what i'm saying homosexuals yeah yeah so i I don't 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 want to slander marvin gay's name i don't like i said i don't even really really care doesn't yeah i didn't care either i was just i thought it was interesting and i mean it like really went everywhere and then you know he says how do you know? And then he's like, you like Brazilian music? Yeah. <laughs> which is so, like the ultimate segue to something else. So which is, which is dope too, because uh, the interviewer re- referenced George Ben, who I uh-huh. happen to like, but he also uh-huh. references Gilberto Gil. And anyone uh-huh. who's listened to Brazilian music has to know Gilberto Gil. Yeah. He also references, um, I can't pronounce his name, Saitano Valasso. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know who that yeah. is? Nah. So the only reason why I know who that is is because Ghostface Killer has a song called Charlie Brown. Okay. And the sample is from this Valasso. artist. I think it's called Alpha Omega. Okay. Um, but that's what the reason why I knew the name. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't gone to really listen through his dis- discography. Yeah. But he says these two artists are the king. Uh, Brazilian yeah. music. I, I really am actually just getting into Brazilian music. Oh, are you? Um, Let me know. Yeah, I got some recommendations. Yeah, please. Um, but uh, I, it's funny because I, I remember there was a period of time I was a record nerd. You were probably also a record nerd. We yeah. probably had had gone digging oh, multiple sure. times. We have, we have. Um, yeah, and and it became the thing in, in hip hop. Like everybody was talking about Brazilian music. Oh yeah. There, there was a there was a, a period of time where it was um, Turkish funk. Okay. There was a period of time where it was um, psych rock. Yeah. And then there was Just a period of time help, help boost that right. too, yeah. And there was a period of time where like everybody all they talked about was Brazilian Brazilian mm-hmm. music. You had to know about Brazilian music. Yeah, and, and um, uh, the Black Eyed Peas, Will I Am was big on that. Okay. Yeah, cuz the And Madlib damn near moved out there to yeah. to study it. And yeah. and so recently I, the uh the uh the Jay Dilla the the far side joint can't keep running away is yeah, produced by yeah. Jay Dilla which was from um that's a Brazilian the fuck is, yeah but it's not a Brazilian artist uh, the, uh he's one of my favorite saxophonists um he was known as the sound what the fuck is his name Stan Getz uh, okay. Stan Getz it's on one of his records Getz, with Charlie Bird G-O-E-T-Z uh G-E-T-Z Okay. Yeah, uh, but he was doing some uh, some Brazilian uh, bossa nova inspired records mm-hmm. with I want to say the guitarist's name was like Charlie Bird, okay. or something like that. And uh, yeah. and the Camp Keep Running Away is from I forget the name of it, mm-hmm. but it's on that record. I yeah. have it. It's it's I always put that on. But yeah, so I mean I, I've actually just recently gotten back into or gotten really into it because I think at the time 
I got to a point where when everybody in hip hop was zigging, I was zagging. So it was That's like right. cool. when everybody said, oh, we got to do Brazilian music. I was like, I'm going to stay away from Brazilian music because right. everybody's going to sample the same three records. That's cool. So um, I think as a result of that, I didn't get into it as much as I should have. Mm -hmm. And now I'm listening to it and I'm like, this shit is fucking amazing. Right. So uh, anyway, so he says, what's the last mistake you learned from? Right. My last record. Which I haven't heard. So Bossa Nostra. I think I, I think I had it when, I think I had it on like a hard drive one of the hard drives that got stolen and I think I listened to like two songs I like, know his trash. original one the one that has yeah. the, so the awesome Nova. powers on it the, yeah uh, Soul oh Nova. my gosh yeah. that record is yeah. incredible it is good it's very yeah. good yeah um but um yeah so uh, that's another one that everyone has in the record yeah collection. yeah it's like right after the dude in terms yeah. of um but yeah he's he's like he's talking about how he talked to the musicians and was like yo y'all gotta do these these records over better than I did them originally right and then he goes, that didn't happen. T-Pain, man, he didn't pay attention to details. You were saying so T-Pain responded? T-Pain has responded. <laughs> T-Pain's like, you know, yeah, I really, I really tried. Like, I, I tried to get guidance from, from Quincy and, like, I tried to sing it the way he told me to sing it. So it was just funny. Uh, that would suck, though, on the real. Like, I, I don't know if T-Pain indeed idolizes Quincy Jones, but, like, the same way you heard the whole Kwame Brown conundrum about how how Kwame Jordan made Kwame Brown cry in practice yeah. because he was like imagine your hero like telling you that you suck yeah like this is essentially that yeah. right like it's like <laughs> it's like T-Pain's a musician obviously and we've now learned more recently that he actually can sing um mm -hmm. and he's like more musical than we probably thought during the autotune era uh but yeah, his one of his idols most likely is saying that he sucks, which is whatever. Kind of I don't funny. care. I thought it was funny. <laughs> no, I think it's funny. Well, no, 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 no. I don't think it's not funny. It's funny. I'm saying right. I don't care about like I probably should care, but yeah, whatever. I don't. I think at this point I don't care if T Pain feels that way. I don't. I don't care for T Pain's music. How yeah, about yeah, that? yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, and I think T Pain probably came around the time you started distancing yourself from hip hop. Sure. Like oh, yeah. that was yeah, yeah that was, was like 2006 2007 yeah um, I'm in love with a stripper yeah, yeah that was 05 I think so Whatever. right right in that time I don't fucking care <laughs> that's just terrible yes the next interview goes in terms of like you know um, his thoughts on religion or when he started making money mm -hmm. he's got some interesting things here not not sure if it's really worth us discussing but he talks about the difficulties with his mom yeah um, the crazy thing the GQ article goes more in depth into much this. more like, he depth, talks about yeah. how you know his mom pretty much got taken away in a straitjacket when he was six or seven yeah. and he didn't really he wasn't really able to conceptualize those things he says mm -hmm. he's never had a relationship with his mom right because as intelligent as she was and she can speak 12 languages you know educated all these things like he said that she always had this you know this dementia, dementia yeah. um but then he talks about living with what was his grandma mm -hmm. uh yeah i kid you not i was reading the gq article while i was eating i almost threw up the dude uh, yeah. ate rats as a kid he said mm -hmm. uh he had to go down to where the rats were Pick the ones whose tails were moving because you know that they were alive. So he picked them up by the tails, and that his mother or whoever was taking care of him, I think it was his grandma, would kill them and cook it with like beans and greens and all that stuff. Ugh. That's fucking disgusting. Yeah, that's gross. That sucks. So like, I shouldn't. I'm not yeah. sure if I, if I can criticize him for anything. He also, he also if that was the about, shit, his experience growing up. He also talked about um, the first gig that he ever played and how everybody, all his whole band died. 
He was no. saying that they were riding. They were yes. riding in a car. It was like four of them. Or yeah, and he was like in the middle. And he was the only one who didn't yeah, die. One of his friends got decapitated. But yeah. that wasn't his first gig, though. Oh, I thought they, he said no. But yeah, it was the people was saying, that he because what he was saying was he joined a band. Yeah, and then they realized that he wasn't the age that he said he was, so he couldn't play. So then, when he fi- when he finally was old enough, they allowed him to play. And Is that what it that was? was the first gig. Oh, was that it? They, okay, that, I, didn't, that he, I didn't read that it was the first gig. There, but yeah, yeah, and was allowed to to play. Oh man. Man, yeah, this is insane. A lot of shit. Yeah, exactly. The Quest TV thing was interesting to me. I uh, read the little the little byline note here about Quest TV, which is essentially going to be like a subscription screen, streaming service mm-hmm. um, that has footage of jazz performances. I'm obviously going to pay for um, it. I don't think that that's going to be a successful business. Yeah. I think that it's probably going to be bought out by um, someone else, like like yeah. a title, a Spotify, maybe a, a major net broadcast network, a Viacom, mm-hmm. something like that. But I don't know if that could stand alone as its own business and be profitable. So I was initially thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to sign up. But now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, actually, I don't, I'm not interested in seeing them because he's talking mm-hmm. about the footage of them Yeah, performing. watching jazz concerts. And Have you ever watched some of those designs though? Well, yeah, oh of course. My my grand my grandfather's uh, really like he was really really big into jazz music yeah. when I was growing up, and um, like we used to I, we would go down to his basement and he had he had one of those hi fi systems mm-hmm. and you know so he would play stuff and like I mean the acoustics was just was perfect the music yeah. was perfect and he also had a TV set down there that he had hooked up through his his system as it was as his surround sound yeah he would show me old videos of like you know Charlie Parker and like you know uh, uh, Stanley Clark was his favorite musician of course so I mean, we watched you know just Stanley Clark videos and videos of like Stanley Clark and he'd be like look at that boy jamming look at that boy jamming he killing it you know and like I, and I, I mean it was it's incredible I think my concern is that uh, if it's footage the actual audio quality might not be up to par uh, I'm more interested in just listening to it. I think the way it sounded to me, right, was it was it was it was a, a full production. So okay. it wasn't like a boom mic. It was like they recorded and they were it was coming through a console. If so, it sounded it sounded good, perfect. I will sign me up. Yeah, it if sounded sound perfect. So I mean, it was just I mean, the footage. The only thing is, how, are you going to be able to re-render it so on it, it looks okay in 4K and all that other crap? I don't know, but um, I mean, the sound quality was was on point and just just watching them go at it because yeah. what would essentially happen was they would have these shows like he would he would show me some of the joints where it would be three or four of these incredible virtuoso musicians mm-hmm. right all standing on a stage they don't play the same instruments mm-hmm. so they're they're all kind of gigging out like as a band and then the they just kind of point and then like Stanley Clark's going in. He's just like, yeah. he's just killing it. And everybody else is just kind of just playing a basic riff and watching him. And he's just like, you know, he's like, he's in the person's face while he's, you know, doing all his, his like, you know, strumming. It's just, it, it was amazing to see. I would love to see it again. I just don't know if it's sustainable as, as something that people are just going to continue to pay on a monthly basis. Right. Now, if it's something like a Netflix, like where it's like, you can get this add on. You pay an additional three dollars a month, and you have access to every jazz concert that ever happened. I That's would pay probably for that. what's going to end up happening, right, right? But I don't see it as a standalone. Well, it depends how much it is. If it's something yeah. like five bucks a month, like sign me up. Yeah, you know what but I mean. D- if it's like you, twenty bucks a month, mm. even if it is five though, and it's a standalone, how many people do you think are really going to go out of their way to go and sign up for this? 
I think the problem is is that a lot of those people that would, maybe they're getting a little old. Yeah. Um, maybe they don't have access to this stuff or maybe, you know, uh, God forbid, they're no longer here. Mm-hmm. I know that I will sign up. And, you know, I'm sure that people like actual musicians who do care about music because for as much as Quincy Jones says that, you know, musicians nowadays don't care about music. A lot he's of obviously don't. Yeah, but he's not talking about everybody. There's obviously right. musicians who are making music. But like, okay, let's be honest, right? We had we just had a conversation. We did we did the 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 baby awards, right? Mm-hmm. We said who's the producer of the year? Metro <sighs> Boomin. Yeah, Metro Boomin. Do you think Metro Boomin knows about any of this shit we're talking about? Do you think DJ Mustard knows about any of these people we're talking Probably about? Probably not. Like, yeah, you know, so, so, and those are the people that are, are some of the foremost they, they might, quote they might unquote, know them. musicians. They might know them. Yeah. They might. Probably but not. Probably not. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> and so, I mean, he, he did get past yeah. Mark Ronson, though, uh, rightfully so. I, know, like I never was in, into Ronson. My, my, I like my, some the of the best? stuff that he did with Mystical, even though okay. I know Mystical is problematic. Um, but he did I, go to jail service I, time. But I did like some of the stuff he did. With I him. liked um, what he did with Amy Winehouse. Okay. And literally nothing else. Like the the big single that he had, uh, Ooh Wee, mm-hmm. um, that was with like um, who was on that? Nate Dogg and all of them. That was like the big single on Mark Ronson's solo album. Mm-hmm. I thought it was trash, and I thought mm-hmm. most of the other songs on there that I heard were trash. But okay, maybe he maybe he does no music. I just yeah. Uh, Quincy Jones seems to think he does. So yeah, you know, he's speaking yeah. the gospel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll give it to him. He also thinks T Pain is trash, so he might be. Yeah. Um, so that's it for the the Vulture article. We covered a yeah. lot of things. We skipped over some stuff. Did um, you want to uh, mention the twenty two girlfriends from the GQ article? We already kind of did mention that. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was a little interesting. I I felt as though in some ways he was elevating women, but while also not elevating women. I agree. Yeah, like, and so he kind of was like, "Yo, you know, they all know. Like, women, women know they they do what they want. They're aggressive, and, and like yeah. that's elevating. But then, additionally, in some ways, he almost kind of talked about women as like badges of honor. Like, oh yeah, I got a woman in in this place yeah, and a woman exactly. in that place. You know I think I mean? that he comes like, from. I think that for all we give him credit for, at the end of the day, he's a person who still comes from that patriarchy. Mm. That patriarchal system, yeah, yeah. and I think that a lot of his pers- this shapes a lot of his perspective. Mm-hmm. For the good in some cases, for the bad in some cases, this is one of those cases where it's probably not for the good. Um, I mean, look, look, if these women like Quincy Jones, hey, you know, power to him, um, that's cool. But it's like you said, like the way he kind of talks about him, yeah, kinda gives yeah. Him, and and the fact that he speaks very disparaging about women who are old and fat. Yeah, I don't fuck with that shit I at all. That that's too. not cool. Look, he was it, like, I'd never date somebody my age. Exactly. The whole nine. I I I understand the idea of not getting anything from that mm-hmm. in the sense that it's just like I, I I understand it but I also I disagree yeah because at the same time he's reducing a woman to what she can give exactly. to him in terms of excitement exactly. in terms of pleasure and things yeah. like that and it's like what about a woman who's lived just as many years as exactly. you and what about the idea that maybe she can give you some insight right you know now maybe he's such an egomaniac that he feels that there's no woman who could give him an well, insight one of the things he said was he kind of was like i've been married three times so right. almost like i like i tried that before fair. and i don't fair. and i don't that's need fair it anymore, that's why i said i can kind of yeah. understand yeah. i get it but at the same time too like i never think that you should should limit yourself and even if you're not going to do anything physical with someone your own age it doesn't mean mm. you can't learn some things i mean mm. but then he also talks about the woman who was uh in with the nazis 
Yeah, and, and, that was and, interesting. And I appreciated what he was saying. He's like, look, it's mm. not about her personal relationships. It was about yeah. her passion for her professionalism. Yeah. But that's not something that goes away just because a woman is 80. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, And so I would like to think that maybe he could form a connection with someone who's older, mm. who has a passion about something that he wants to learn about and has Yeah, yeah. You know, I would like to think so. And so for him to be as crass as he was, it's like, yeah, nah, he's it's like, just, yo, I'm 84. I'm just, I'm just smashing everything. Yeah. I don't care like i got i got chicks everywhere like it's just like you're 84 and you haven't learned more about life than yeah, that it made exactly. me kind of sad yeah. for him a little yeah. bit yeah but, so, I but i mean but at the same time like like i said i can't necessarily these are just things i'm noticing i can't necessarily judge because yeah. of the fucked up childhood that he had and True. the things he's and, talking and he about said i that, would never want to have those experiences. yeah he said that yeah. he was like you know part of the, he was like part of the reason i'm a dog or whatever is because i never had a relationship with my mother yeah but that's and also he brought it up a bunch of times but it's like okay now you're 84 dog, exactly and you're still, and you're exactly so you're still using that wrong. justification right, come on dude right come on so uh so look you know we love Quincy Jones. We love have a Quincy great Jones. deal of respect for him. We're going to, he's, you know, plenty of things about what he has brought to, to us are admirable. But that doesn't mean he's not beyond scrutiny. And yeah. he says some things that we scrutinize. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure he said some other problematic things. I think the thing that really rubs me the wrong way, more so than the 22 girlfriends, because like I said, I get it. I don't approve of it. I disagree <laughs> with it, but I understand it. Nah. The Bill Cosby shit, though, yeah. I do really think he's enabling, and I would, like, I would like to think that if he were put in a position, like I said, unless unless he feels that bringing down Bill Cosby is somehow going to affect millions of people for the worse, and maybe it will, I don't I know. So. But I think unless it's, already, it's something like that, yeah. I think that you have a responsibility to do right. But right? what about well, then? What do you? How do you feel about the? Um the clintons because he also kind of didn't want to go in depth about them either you, you know what you know what um actually yeah. i'm not going to take back what i previously said i am also going to ex- expand on that um in the sense that you recently shared with me i forget her name but the woman who was raped by you know uh, uh, tupac yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah um and we don't necessarily need to go into what she said about Tupac because mm-hmm. uh, I don't necessarily think that's relevant. But what is relevant was our reaction to it in the mm-hmm. sense that I'm surprised she said anything at all Yeah. because the other people that she really does go in on are people that I would think might do something to her. So mm-hmm. maybe from that perspective, maybe Quincy Jones, who, you know, according to him, is going to live till he's 110. He's got 30 more years in him. Um, and hopefully he does make it that far, right? Uh-huh. Maybe he feels that if he's, you know, rats or snitches on these people or, you know, mm-hmm. gives information that can compromise them, maybe he feels that they could, but he, he might receive retribution. But in some he, he started the article saying he wasn't scared of anything and he just tells the truth. Yes. Yeah, but true. then in those two instances, he yeah, decided no, not right. to tell the truth. But the rest of the time, he told us what he thought was the truth. Yeah. Him not telling us about bill cosby when you told us about these other things when he told us details about marvin Gaye that we didn't ask for, right when he told us details about marlon brando that we didn't ask for mm. but yet shit about bill cosby that we all want to fucking know <laughs> you know to be hush hush about that shame on you quincy yeah. you know you may have your reasons um and it may be justified and maybe if i had the information that he had maybe i would take it back but from what i have shame on you yeah no, i agree but i'm definitely gonna listen to the dude today 
at some point. <laughs> I'm choice. just being 100. Uh, yeah, I, a I'm, I'm a big Quincy fan. And, oh, sure. Um, yeah, it, doesn't, it does not take away from the amount of respect that I have from him. I just yeah. think that it was, I just, I think it's foul play. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that we got an article that, again, makes Quincy Jones quote unquote relevant. I hate this word. Relevant <laughs> in d- today's discussion. Yes. And we're all talking about Quincy Jones again because we're now talking about a musician and a musician is yes. back in our vernacular. And, yes. I and a genius and an yeah. innovator yeah. and a trendsetter oh, yeah. uh, and an influential mover and shaker that, you know, shaped a lot of what we know about the world today. I mean, mm-hmm. yo, look, for as much as Michael Jackson gave us Thriller, mm-hmm. Quincy Jones yeah is equally as important in that like and the whiz yes. and so many other things that were so impactful to black people right um so yeah shout out to quincy jones oh and also uh we didn't go into this enough but also mm-hmm. shout out to him for all the humanitarian work yeah we, we probably did skip over that because he we is doing a lot of yeah pick work um so our bad for not really going into that but. right and i definitely need to look more into it because yeah, exactly. some of that i didn't even i didn't really know about, know about. yeah so, so yeah. all right cool I uh, hope y'all enjoyed um, enjoy Black Panther when you get to go see it. And, yeah, uh, we'll we're going to catch uh, Black Panther, uh, and then we'll give you guys the the full rundown on that one when, we, right. when we've seen it, the, the 80s baby style. So. All right, so I think that should wrap this one up. Yep, peace. Peace. peace.